Hi, this is Scott Galloway, NYU professor, best-selling author, serial entrepreneur, and the host of the PropG Markets podcast. For nearly two years, PropG Markets has brought listeners unfiltered analysis on high-flying stocks, burgeoning sectors, stupid acquisitions, and master of the universe CEOs. Starting May 20th, PropG Markets is launching a new feed with two episodes per week. What a thrill! The good news? I know how to get your rich. The answer... It's on Prop G Markets. Don't miss out. Listen and subscribe to Prop G Markets wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. UFC on ESPN 10, or as it was hashtag all night, UFC Vegas 2 is in the books. And compared to the enthusiasm shown for this event, I think this one exceeded expectations in a lot of ways as we kick off the official UFC Vegas 2 post-fight show here on MMAfighting.com. I am Mike Heck. That is Alex K. Lee joining us. As always, Alex, we like to look at these events as a whole before we get into some of these big storylines. So I'll throw it to you right off the bat. Your thoughts on this event in its entirety. Solid B. Solid B, Mike. Uh, and also, the first thing I always want to say is thank you for everyone who's tuning in right now. Uh, if you guys are tuning in for our post-fight show uh, for the sixth event in sixth UFC event in the last month, and up with us at uh, around 1.30 in the morning Eastern time. You guys are degenerates. Uh, you guys are true fight fans, and uh, and I love you. But uh, this card, I'll give a solid B. Uh, I think, I know uh, the big flurry finishes the beginning. A solid. Su- super exciting. And, uh, you know, it wasn't, there wasn't like any truly, I, like, offensive cards on the fight. Maybe the, uh, you know, I know the main event wasn't exactly a thriller. But, uh I thought it was a solid card. That's really the nice thing to say about it. Um, and I don't, I don't mean that in a bad way. I just don't want to go overboard with like, you know, I don't think it over-delivered. I don't think it under-delivered. I think it was a, a passable card, which I think is all that Dana White really wanted to, to put out today. A B is better than a passable card, I think. I think this was, yeah, I think this is good. I think this is like a, this is like a D student who studied just a little bit longer and realized his <laughs> potential. That's what like this card was. Yeah, again, like I, I don't I don't know if there's any fight that we expected to be exciting that disappointed. I don't think there's any fight that we didn't expect to be exciting that overdelivered. Uh everything was kind of as it should have been. And then again, you had the you had that bonus of some fighters really stepping up and getting big finishes and uh making a name for themselves. Um I guess you could you could argue my my main argument would be I wish the card was arranged in a different order. And I and I did not need a six fight main card. Yeah, it became that after um, one of the fights dropped out yesterday. After the Derek Minner fight dropped out, for some reason they decided to bump two fights up to the main card and then make it a four fight prelim. Start at seven, and that's why we're here at one thirty instead of possibly thirty minutes earlier. Um, so I, I wish they they moved some things around. Uh, Julia Avila, I think, is someone who needs to, who should have been on the main card. I, I, you know, look, I'm not saying anyone could have predicted she was going to get a twenty two second finish. But it is the UFC's job to kind of be able to identify star talent and identify who they think is going to deliver in these moments. And I think a lot of people thought Avila was going to have a strong performance. She has all the makings of a star. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk about it more later. But that's, you know, card order, I think, is so important. And that's one thing I think the UFC kind of missed the mark on tonight. I would agree. I don't think they'll be making that mistake again with Julia Avila. But uh, let's get right into the main event. Jessica I versus Cynthia Calvillo. I was a big story. She misses weight for the second consecutive time. On, you know, yesterday, it was 0.25 pounds. We found out a little bit more. Joey Calder was saying stuff on Twitter, but Cynthia Calvillo confirmed it 
in the post-fight press conference that she was like close to 130, 30 minutes before she actually hit the scale. And then she missed it by 0.25 pounds. So Tom Foolery was, was clearly in play, allegedly, at least from what Cynthia said. So they have text messages to prove it with their management team. But Calvillo makes a return to 125 for the first time since her pro debut. She gets it done. I thought she won all five rounds, but it was a big win for her. Another big fight awaits her. That was a pretty impressive start to her flyweight run in the UFC. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, I, I, I'm probably uh, more of a believer in I being worthy of like – you know, I think there's a lot of people who looked at the matchup and, and were kind of like, uh, sorry, one second. Um, we're kind of thinking like, oh, like they had to almost be reminded that I was the number one contender and that, you know, she is only two fights removed from uh, from a title fight. I know what all the people remember about that was it was a head kick. But, you know, look, I earned her spot there. She won her next fight to kind of hold on to her number one contender spot. So I think it does mean something that Calvillo put on such a good performance against, against Jessica. I, um, it, it's not the deepest division, you know, Cynthia Calvillo said the same, she kind of said the same, said as much herself, uh, in her post fight, uh, scrum afterwards, she's talking about why she took so long to move up from 115 pounds. And she, she it, almost like a point of pride. She said she wanted to work her way up straw weight, which she felt was a stronger division. And finally she, she's kind of biting the bullet and moving up to 125, which is not as deep. And uh, it, it's only a good thing for her. Doesn't have to cut weight. Has a clear line to a title shot. Might be getting a title shot right away. Again, she did just beat the number one contender. And I think when people kind of look at the rest of the list, there's not a lot of logical fights for her besides, uh, you know, going up. Just keep, keep going up. And you can't go much higher than number one. True that. Um, we were talking, mean, the truck and I have been having this discussion for the last couple of hours now. Obviously, Jessica I does not do herself any favors, all right? Missing weight twice in a row, everything that's been discussed and allegations that have been thrown out and, and involving the weight cut, and apparently some, some proof to that as well. But heading into this fight, especially after yesterday, have you seen in your entire career covering the sport a number one ranked contender in any division getting disrespected as much as Jessica I has? Boy, she seems to have uh, a lot of enemies, doesn't she? I'm not just talking about the fan reaction to the, you know, to the announcement of this main event. We saw JoJo Calderwood going after her. We know she's had a previous beef with uh, Sajara Eubanks, uh, and then we just saw. I think Sarah Kaufman also jumped in today to kind of back up some of the things that JoJo had been saying about just guys' weight miss. Yeah, look, uh, I is is a fighter with a strong personality, very active on social media, very open in interviews. Anyone who saw her her media uh, stuff this week or even any other, her other fight weeks, she's very open. She's very open, very honest, uh, very willing to speak her mind. And sometimes that leads to a lot of exposure and a lot of publicity, which can be good. And sometimes it leads to making a lot of enemies, which again, can also be good, but I'm not sure how I feels about uh, rubbing so many people the wrong way. Yeah, it is crazy to see someone who is officially ranked number one by the UFC, uh, almost seem universally disrespected. I don't want to say disliked, but definitely there, there's this, this big animosity towards her. I would agree with that 100%. And this week will be my debut of doing on to the next one solo for pay-per-views. You and I team up on these things, but I'd love to get your thoughts on where Cynthia Calvillo goes from tonight's win because she just dominated the number one ranked contender of the division. All signs are pointing to Joanne Calderwood fighting Valentina Shevchenko next for the belt. Caitlin Chukagin is there, called her right out. And then we have a big fight in the division next weekend between Murphy and Roxanne Mataferi. So where does she go from here if you're the matchmaker? Yeah, I mean, as I was saying before, I was looking at the list. I've got you know my own sort of personal rankings here. 
she's beaten Joanne Calderwood already. Yeah, again, I know JoJo's fighting Shochenko, but I mean, that's not really so. Th- that's another name that she could fight uh, after the, they're they're done. But she has a win over her already, so it almost feels like she doesn't need to. Uh, then you have uh, uh, Caitlin Chukagian who called her out. But then you run the risk of, you know, Chukagian also recently fought for the flyweight title. What if she beats Calvillo? Then suddenly you're knocking Calvillo back. And and then no one is is uh, campaigning for a, a Chukagian-Valentina Strachenko rematch at this moment anyway. So I, I like that fight on paper. I like the call up by Chukagian. I thought it was very timely, very smart. I think it'd be a decent fight. But I don't like it from a matchmaker's perspective because you you really need that Calvillo win. Otherwise, it, it just makes your life harder. So uh, I think she's going to have to wait for some of the dust to settle um, Modafari Murphy, the Modafari Murphy winner might be a good way for her to keep busy, but otherwise I really wouldn't be surprised if they decided that Calvillo has enough kind of charisma and showed enough tonight to just throw her right in there, right into the shark tank with, uh, with the champ Valentina Shevchenko. Wow. So you think there's a chance that she jumps the queue here? I, I think there's a good chance. I wouldn't do it, but again, I'm not Sean Shelby. I'm not Dana White. I'm not Mick Maynard. I, I don't make these decisions. Uh, you know, the division ha- has some issues. And, and and he said, look, he's, he seems very bullish on not doing a third uh, Nunez Shevchenko fight, which seems like a very logical way to keep Shevchenko busy while also allowing the flyweight division to kind of sort itself out. But if the champ wants to keep busy and they got to get her a fight, uh, look, Javier makes a lot of sense. If not, uh, you know, one of the winners from from these uh, uh, after the Calderwood, of course, uh, from one of these upcoming flyweight fights. OK, so you th- so, so you want Shevchenko versus Calderwood and then Calvillo gets the winner. Yeah, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm not campaigning for Calvillo. Okay, all right. I was, I was like, all right. You want Calvillo to jump right in there and fight no, for the fight? No, no. And, and with respect to JoJo, I, I, you know, I'm speaking as if it's a, it's, it's fait accompli that uh, Shochenko is just going to, going to beat uh, JoJo. I'm not saying that at all, uh, but I think most people would bet on uh, Shochenko winning. And I'm, and as you know, should that happen, then I suppose I think Calvillo would make for a, an acceptable, if not ideal, next challenger. And what about Jessica I, Alex? Back-to-back weight misses. She's lost two out of three. I still have no idea where this 48 to 47 scorecard came from tonight, but I has to go back to the drawing board. Where does she go from here? Does the drawing board lead her back up to 135? Or, you know, what do we do? It's crazy because... I mean, I, I don't, you know, it's hard to say where these issues come from. Back-to-back weight misses, it, it's hard to ignore, you know. Uh, it happens once, that's fine. You know, these things happen. Uh, you know, these fighters put their bodies through a lot. Uh, and again, she spoke of sort of, uh, you know, the issues as a woman that she had uh, that, that may have complicated her weight cut last time. I don't know if that mattered this time. Uh, it's She said it shouldn't have been a factor, so we don't know what, what went haywire this time around. But two straight misses at 125. Again, she, she'd been a bantamweight for the longest time. But she made championship weight to fight Shevchenko. She's had great success at 125. It seems almost silly to, to go back up to 135, but... She's 33 years old now. I don't know if these cuts are just getting harder. She does have a lot of fight mileage on her. She's entering the the 10th year of her pro MMA career. And it, it just seems like going up to 135 would eliminate a lot of, uh, you know, the factors that are making her life hard. Uh, the division is different now. Uh, she just kind of had some bad luck to too. It wasn't like she was getting dominated 135. She was losing a lot of decisions. So uh, I think it that would definitely be the most logical thing to do. Go back up, take another crack at 135, uh, see if you can get some favorable matchups up there, and then see where you know see where things go for you. 
Yeah, I don't know how favorable they'll make the matchups after back-to-back <laughs> weight misses. Maybe they just throw Julia Avila right at her and, and go <laughs> from there. But uh, co-main event, Marvin Vittori, going, kind of going from someone who had a bad night to someone who had a great night. First-round submission win over his rival, Carl Roberson. Got to get some of that adrenaline out. Got to get some of that frustration out, if you will. He gets it done, does it quickly, gets an extra 50 Gs to boat. This was a, a pretty good night for Mr. Vittori, was it not? Yeah, uh, look, I, I don't want to. I don't know anything about Carl Robertson personally, so I don't want to say that he's. I don't want to say make any aspersions about his character. But he was, in some ways, the bad guy uh, going to this fight. I think people are well aware, that, you know, their fight being canceled the first time, and they have a run in the hotel room, uh, lobby, and then you know, it's it. Robertson wasn't exactly like the most apologetic. I think it's fair to say he didn't have the most apologetic attitude, maybe because Vittori came at him so hard, you know, was so uh, frank about how upset he was about the last fight getting canceled and, and then missing now. And Vittori, of course, was all over uh, social media after just posting memes and pictures uh, mocking uh, Roberson's uh, another failed uh, weight cut. So uh, it, it was aside from the personal factor and Vittori, see, get, seeing Vittori get some sort of vindication after, you know, struggling to even just get a fight for the last like three months, um, having bad luck in that regard. It, it was also just nice. It was a strong performance from him. He is a, a sleeper middleweight contender. Uh, you know, he fought on your four. It was a somewhat close fight. He mentioned, he's been mentioning, he's always wanted to get that rematch. He mentioned it again tonight. So uh, he certainly did enough to get himself back up in that uh, contender stream. Um, he's probably one or two fights away uh, but very, very strong performance against Roberson. Really showed off his whole and striking submissions, everything. So uh, good for Vittoria in that regard. Well, where, where would you send him next? Um, I don't know if he, if he gets into the top 15 after tonight. He probably should. But if he doesn't, he's like just outside of it. And there's some fun fights out there for Marvin. You know, he's, and he's only 26 years old, which is, which is pretty shocking as well. But what do you like for him next? I, I think Brad Tavares sounds like a fun name. I don't know. Just throwing that out there. Yeah, and Brad Tavares is always is kind of that mid range gatekeeper. He's 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 been in my sort of top twenty. Uh oh, he froze. Oh, hello. He's frozen. Man, the iron shirt looking looking glorious as well. <laughs> He's there. He's just there. All right. Well, yeah. So Brad Tavares, that sounds like fun. Truck, what do you think? What would you do if uh what would you do in those shoes if you're booking Marvin Vittori's next fight? And what the hell's happening to me? Are you frozen too? I'm scrambling. Maybe it's yeah. just my screen. Yeah, it's just your screen. All right. All right. So hold on. Let me I trust uh, you. let me um re- let me reconnect with um Alex. Um my oh Alex, I'm, I'm, I'm cutting you off, Alex. Um, we got to fix your audio. So, um, Mike, if you just want to go solo on this for a little bit or ask the stupid truck what he thinks, but don't matter. Yeah. But we, we're going to, I think, Alex, um, go ahead and hang up or we're going to try to reconnect you. I'll try to reconnect. We'll try to reconnect. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to try a whole bunch of different things. And that's <laughs> the beauty of, of, of live television, ladies and gentlemen. So we're trying to be professional here. I want to go and I'm just going to looking at some of the comments here and see if uh, there's any questions, anything we can go with. Uh, yep. Lots of, lots of Alex has no sounds. <laughs> Alex has no sound. Can't read lips. Esther, fix this. Esther, fix this. Bald man speak only Alex. Mute. <laughs> Not heard the last three times he was said. Ha ha. Uh, I don't think any questions are being asked right now, but let's see. 
fans and media pick the bonuses. That is true. That is one thing that did come out tonight. Dana White took to social media and said, hey, you guys pick the bonuses. And there you go. Can't hear Alex. Media. Make Alex the truck. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Uh, Julia Avila, super exciting. Correct. Um, yeah. So there you go. Let's see what else is going on. While we wait for Alex to reboot his computer. Yeah, yeah I'm just, just looking at comments here. Let's see. Media pick up bonuses. Eastside San Jose stand up. Cynthia Calvillo getting the win. Uh, Carol Rosa Cavedo was her opponent yeah. four times. That is correct. Can we, can we, can we talk about um, – I'm, I'm, I'm going to mispronounce How about we answer thing. this question? How about we answer this question? This is a, gr- a good one from Ryan B. Marab Dualish Willie. Yeah. What is next for Marab Dualish Willie after I, that performance tonight? I love that performance. I thought it's like that is a guy he until he is ranked in the top five, I think. He that he is a matchmaker's nightmare. Because I, I just don't <laughs> see anyone going, yeah, I want to fight that guy. I want to fight that guy. It's just like it just looks like it just looks like 15 minutes of hell. Um he 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 just he reminds me of a. He has all the makings of a of a bantamweight uh, Habib. He just has that same style, just relentless, just like that grindy wrestling, just style. Like when he had um uh, how do you say it? Gustav was his his opponent? Gustavo Lopez. Lopez. When he had Lopez in that scarf hold and he was like twisting his arm, I was like, I was like, man, this guy is just. And, you, you know, you know, you put on one hell of an ass beating when. All the announcers are going, man, Lopez is tough. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it, when that's the kind of the story, just like how much your opponent is just alive. So, <laughs> yeah, that's okay. a scary man. That's like, yes, that, that might be literally the worst guy to have a debut against on 48 hours notice, like in any division, just because like and and. And obviously, there's there's very talented and dangerous fighters out there. So if you think about it in that context, you might think I'm crazy. But if we're talking like risk versus reward, ranking, meritocracy, all that stuff, and then you have to go in there and fight that madman for 15 minutes and just get constantly taken down and smothered, whew, that is a tough matchup. But Pablo <laughs> Lopez, very game guy, very exciting fighter. We didn't really get to see him do what he does just because it was short notice and you're fighting Marab, but. You know, give that guy a full camp and give him a guy. I saw this on Twitter. Give him a guy like Lewis Smolka or something, someone that'll push him and, and, and get him into an exciting fight. So I like that idea. Alex, Alex. do we get a, a mic check here? What's up? Why are you smiling, Alex? Oh, I'm sorry. I just uh, I'm concerned about their uh, technical difficulties. On uh, all on my end, by the way. So uh, you guys, you guys are doing a crack you, job. You, you live. You, you apparently live in a microwave. You said your internet router is inside of a microwave. <laughs> I do live. I live in. I live in inside of a microwave. Yes, <laughs> I put it inside of a microwave, and I always set it for 30 minutes when we start these broadcasts. Uh, and for some reason, it causes problems. I don't know why, but uh, there we go. <laughs> are we getting them? Is, is he good? Oh, no. <laughs> fans, fans, YouTube commenters, uh, com- commenters. Uh, they're they're, they're about 30 me? seconds behind, so okay. So, we're you know what? <laughs> we're gonna go, and if we have a problem, so we're you know what we're gonna do, Alex? We're throwing we're, we're throwing the game plan out the window, okay? We're throwing oh, the game plan, we had a game plan, plan? turning it. I guess not. We, we tried, but uh, we're, we're going to the people, that's what we're gonna do. <laughs> oh, we're going to the people, oh, dear. um, and I don't care, mixed bag. We're just gonna ask everything here. Uh, Gustafson and Verdum, do you like this fight? Yeah. Yeah, that's MMA. When I think of those fights like that, I think it's I think that's that's MMA. I love stuff like that. 
Uh, I know uh, people probably don't want to see this like exodus of light heavyweights go up to heavyweight, but Gustafsson's always he's a big guy. He's always someone I thought would would do well at heavyweight. He might not quite have the power to go up there. That's probably one reason why people would be concerned, uh, and maybe not the chin either. But I guess a guy like Verdum, you know, that might not be an issue. It's more of, more of a style clash here, striker versus grappler, that sort of thing. So yeah, I love it. It's like the kind of fight I I certainly wouldn't have thought of, but. Uh, now that it's been brought up, I'm like, yeah, you know, just kind of cool, kind of a cool matchup. I am all in for uh, any kind of chaos. And that fight, for <laughs> some reason, when that was announced, that created chaos. And I and I love when people react to, as such. So thank you, Sandy Fan. Great question. Uh, who should Marvin Vittori fight next? We cut you off there. I say someone like a Brad Tavares makes a lot of sense. Uh, maybe even a Uriah Hall makes, makes some sense. What do you think? Yeah, there's a lot of good, like I said, there's a lot of guys, uh, good guys in that middle of the pack. I would love your eye haul. Um, I think it is time for, you know, really to test him against a veteran. I think I was saying uh, Derek Brunson, the winner of maybe Brunson Shabazian. I don't know. Unless, uh, you know, Shabazian, that puts him on a fast track. But um, yeah, that's a good matchup. And I said maybe like a Christoph Jocko, some of that. I think it's time for a veteran. I think it's definitely time yeah. for him to step up and, and out of the sort of mid-range prospect uh, area. Uh, Sandy Fam, another question. Rosenstrike versus JDS. Yeah, why not? Like, do we? Who do we think is going to win, or is it a good? It's a great matchup. Yeah, uh, I, yeah. I think we talked about this. I think this came from the weigh-ins the other day. Uh, this is where this is where Junior is. You know, he's a former champion, uh, but also someone who makes for a good gatekeeper and a very strong challenge for any up-and-coming uh, any up-and-coming heavyweight. He, he's lost a step, but the skills are still there. So for a guy like Rosenstruck, he needs to bounce back. Uh, this is his chance. He's got he's got to prove he can take out a high-caliber uh, technical fighter like uh, JDS and that his hot start, you know, wasn't, wasn't just that, you know, it wasn't a flash in the pan. All right. Uh, Cal Rosa is now fighting a UFC 251 versus Vanessa Mello. That is correct. Uh, we answered the Marab question. Heck, have you ever cosplayed as Dana White? No. Uh, That's a lie. You guys don't look anything alike. All right. You guys don't look anything alike. And yeah, I say this is a bald thing. I My dad's bald too. You. I get, I get, I get, I get uh, Jackie Chan and I get Bruce Lee and I get Jeremy Lin all the time. So I am defending you, sir, for just because you're bald. You do not look like every other bald man. You're not Dana White. You are not Telly Savalas. You are not any number of bald celebrities out there. You are Mike Heck. You're your own man. And I, and I won't have people making these base comparisons just because you're bald. I'm going to tell, I'll tell a really quick story. Um, my wife is obviously a fan of mine because she wouldn't have married me. I would hope so. so. And she's also very protective. <laughs> so while I don't look at the comments that often, like when Between the Links debuted, I looked at the comments and once in a while I'll peruse them. But she likes to, every once in a while, like if she can't sleep, she's just going to go on MMA fighting and go on the YouTube page and oh, no. the comments. And she sees no, no, the no. away things. And I was like, oh, what do you think of that? And she goes, you know what? They're not wrong. I can see that. <laughs> so. Thank you. Thank you for trying. Dana White's uh, a very successful man. So, uh, yeah, you know, you know not, what? Not the worst comparison. Yes. And he does a uh, very, very good view. So if I can get Dana White views, I'll be happy. Uh, should should Sean O'Malley fight Marab next? Uh, no, you can't do that. Because <laughs> cannot shake my head hard enough. You might lose my audio. You might lose my audio again. But you just this is my. If, you, if I lose <laughs> my audio again, this is all you need to see. <laughs> you cannot do that. Please don't do that. No. Um, protect listen. him. O'Malley versus Cheeto Vera is the fight to make. After I've, I've weighed this out, it's been a week now. That's the fight to make. Yeah, it's an exciting style matchup. It's a guy who's I think would still be ahead of him in the rankings. I don't I don't know if I saw the updated rankings this week, but certainly in the same area, just outside the top ten. Uh, no, he should not fight Marab. Uh, look, we talked about how much they protected uh, McGregor before, and there was some truth to that, like uh, Conor McGregor and his rise to the top. 
they did give him like favorable striking matchups. And that's not a bad thing, people. When we're trying to develop uh, bankable stars, yes, sometimes you have to uh, give uh, somewhat preferential matchmaking or at least matchmaking that doesn't expose their weaknesses because why would you do that? Uh, I'm sure O'Malley is very confident in his ground game, but uh, against a wrestler like Mrab, man, I don't know. you got to have elite, elite takedown defense. I'm not sure anyone in the division can stop his takedowns. He might be the 135-pound uh, Habib. We'll, we'll see, and I don't think you need to throw O'Malley in with anyone like that right now. Uh, let's see. What else we got here? Uh, Umar Namagamadoff for Dwalish Willie. Uh, he's fighting Nathaniel Wood. Mm-hmm. On Fight Island, so that'll be interesting to see what comes out of that. That's his UFC debut. Uh, who do you give O'Malley next? I think we talked about that. I don't want Marab versus O'Malley just yet. Greed for Doom fights. Where Doom fights the way he did his last fight, he's going to get wrecked. That's very true as well. <laughs> uh, what else? There is. Oh, good. They can hear you, Alex. So that's good. I didn't even. That's the most that. important thing. <laughs> uh, tell the joke again, Alex. Uh, back to <laughs> Umar. <laughs> Dana said to Lorisenko, he expects all fighters to make weight during the pandemic. He was pissed, three missed, and Derek Minner dropped out. Thoughts on that? This is Ooh. we've talked about this before, and 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 the easy fix, Alex. And this is just easy, and we don't make sense in MMA because why would we do that? But the easy fix is outside of title fights and maybe like co-main events that have pivotal impact on the meritocracy of a division should all be up a weight class. Like we saw that tonight. We saw. Three fights that were up a weight class night. And four, if you actually think about Wallace Willie and, and Gustavo Lopez mm-hmm. fighting at 140. And then maybe if you throw Jessica in there as well, maybe there's five, considering where she ended up weighing in. But is that the plot? Like, it's it's really hard to expect these guys to, to cut weight and, and make weight on three days notice, nine days notice. I mean, what, what do you expect these people to do? If if we're just putting cards together just for the just for the sake of doing it, which is and for you know keeping your ESPN deal intact, which is what the UFC is doing, then yes, there's no reason to be a hard ass about sticking people within those uh, 135 pound, 125, 145 pound like distinctions. It just it's not necessary. Uh, I, I know they want everything to be like in division and have implica- rankings implications and title implications, but you don't need that like. Okay, look, we know Mirab Dvalashvili is a 135-er. Him fighting 140, we're not going to go like, oh, don't count that fight because it happened in 140. We know he's a bantamweight. We're, we know, uh, uh, Brian Kelleher and Cody Stamen, okay, they fought at featherweight. We know they're bantamweights. Uh, I, I know Kelleher was his, his second straight 145, but we know it was essentially a bantamweight fight that was bumped up to accommodate both guys because of the, the short notice nature of these. I, I don't, I don't, hold on. Oh, hold on. I'm hearing something from the truck. I'll, truck, I'll, go ahead. I've seen dozens of dozens of comments just complaining how these 35ers are fighting at featherweight, but they can't tell. <laughs> Actually, no, no, not one person. Not one person okay. in the history like, of the universe. Right. I was like, what chat feed are you reading? No, right no, now? no, no. Tell me that. No, it's just this. Just it's just Dana White and Mike Heck um, look like uh, form. Uh, oh yeah, yes. right. Yes, dude. Like not uh, one person. Even as a viewer, when you're even as when we're watching these fights, these fighters going up in weight, which I've been professing so much in this during this pandemic um like when you're watching uh, uh um cody stamen uh, not, not cody um what's his name um is it cody stamen stamen keller keller and stamen yeah same yeah. oh um, last week yeah like you're not or going look at these fatties you know they, they look exactly the same it's just like except they can actually just train healthy and fight better so i have no idea what dana white is doing sticking to this weird i want them to suffer 
if they want to get paid type of thing. Yeah, it's just, and, he, and he definitely shouldn't be throwing people under the bus again who are taking fights on two weeks notice, three weeks notice, four days notice. Like, I hope he wasn't mad at uh, at the new the newcomer, Ad, uh, Adasha, because that guy took the fight again on like five or four, five or four days notice. Like, great. Yeah. And again, I, yeah, sure, he's normally a flyweight, but it, it doesn't look some got, people are in shape all year round. Some people aren't. So he's doing you a favor. So I hope he's not one of the names uh, that Dana White was kind of lumping in as uh, being upset with them, because how is he supposed to make weight? It's, he just he just got off the couch, probably. Yeah, it's crazy. So for, if you're joining us right now and you're just jumping on the stream, you're like, what the <laughs> hell is going on here? Uh, chaos ensued early on. Uh, we had some technical difficulties. We seem to be going well. Uh, we broke down some of the fights tonight, and now we're just kind of free-flowing and giving it back to you uh, after some technical problems early on in this thing. So we'll run through a few of these comments here uh, before we put a bow in this. Uh, cool the Fool said we're going with the flow tonight. That's exactly what we're doing. That's what live TV is all about. Loosey-goosey, uh, baby. Loosey-goosey. Can we talk about can we talk about Kevin Aguilar's inexplicable strategy of letting Rosa kick him for three rounds? Okay. Well, again, look again. Let's let's give credit to Rosa instead yeah. of and not and not criticize Aguilar. Aguilar's he's a home run hitter. Okay, this guy's a home run hitter. Uh, he landed some good shots in the fight. If you watch the fight, he definitely looks like he's kind of loading up for that big shot. And Rosa and his team had a great game plan. They did not let him get into any sort of rhythm. Did not let him get comfortable. Um, and, and they had a great game plan. So credit, credit to Rose's kicking and not to, uh, I'm sure Aguilar's defense could have been better, but that's not what I want. I think people should fixate on. I think really all the credit should go to Rosa uh, and his performance. Yeah, honestly, I don't like throwing the, the word dud out and I'm not going to here. I wouldn't say he's a dud, but I expected a lot out of Kevin Aguilar. A lot of us did, yeah. On the contender series and mm-hmm. I expected to be a little bit more far along and I don't know, I mean, I, I can't go into the mind and of Kevin Aguilar. I don't know what's going on in his life. I don't know, but uh, didn't look great tonight. He just didn't. This is a, an interesting spot. The matchup was was very was was kind of preferable for him, but the styles turned out that they didn't match up at all. But not not a great performance from from Kevin Aguilar. Charles Rosa gets his first win outside of Bean Town. Uh- and and fairness to Aguilar, he's faced some very good competition before sure. Rosa. It was uh, to Kugov, and then uh, before that, Danny Gay. So. Uh, you know, no, no shame in losing yeah. to those guys. It's it's a tough three fight losing streak. I I do think I wish they would give Aguilar another chance, but yeah, you know, it's it's a cutthroat business. We could very well see him, unfortunately, get his walking papers after this fight. Um, I know you're looking at questions. I did before my my, my computer inevitably explodes again. <laughs> I I got to talk about uh, Agapova. Uh, I don't know if I missed the Agapova talk, but funny enough, man, the question. What what's her? The question we got from AL is how legit is she at 125? I sensed it. I sensed and what is her ceiling? Readers, I feel you. I feel you. Even when my technology isn't working, I feel you. Just like just like we did before laptops and before phones, I feel you. She is sensational. Uh, her, so you know, she she fell short in the contender series um, to Tracy Cortez, who's a good fighter. So she didn't get the contract at that. She hits the ground running with Invicta. Two first round finishes uh, against some some tough competition. She beat Alexa Connors inside of a round. Very very tough fighter. Uh, so she came in. Ideal circumstances for her, you know, um, you don't want to get an opponent switch, but she did end up with Cyphers, who had just fought two weeks ago, is considerably smaller than her. I mean, she's, she's an I atom weight. She's an atom weight. She's an atom weight. Cyphers is an atom weight. Yeah. And, and Agapova is a big uh, flyweight and, and she has all the makings of, of a top prospect. She's only 23 years old. Uh, physically, I think a lot of people say she looks like Joanna Yajajic, which is an amazing comparison. That's an amazing person to be compared to. And uh, she certainly lived up to that hype. All credit to, to Cyphers for taking this fight, but it, it was definitely a mismatch on paper, and it, and it turned out that way in practice as well. But 
again, I want to shine a light on, on, on Agapova. I hope they're careful with the matchmaking with her. Uh, but she's got a huge, huge, huge future ahead of her. Yeah, I think yeah. I, I was going to say that you may have to. I mean, we see lots of fights, but that was that was one of the biggest mismatches on paper and in actuality. And mm-hmm. it, it showed. And but you know what, though, in a couple of weeks when she fights again, we're not going to remember that was a mismatch. We're just going to they're just going to throw those highlight reels on. You're <sighs> like, yeah, let's see her fight again. So for the for. Um, just great matchmaking, actually, by the um, UFC. Because <laughs> in the moment, you're like, ooh, this is a bad matchup. But a couple weeks from now, a year from now, when she's you no know, fighting higher up on the card, yeah, we, we, don't, we, don't, we won't care. Yeah. Hannah, Hannah Cyphers, you are too tough. You are too tough for your own good. <laughs> I, hope, I hope you can take a break because uh, two fights, two weeks against Mackenzie Dern, amazing grappler, and uh, Maria Agapova, a top prospect. You, please, I'd take a rest. Yes, there are some holes on the June 27th card, but that doesn't oh. mean you have to fill it right now. Take, <laughs> no. take a breather. Take a breather, have a Coke, have a smile, and uh, eat some pizza and just chill out. You, you, you've earned that for sure. Did we talk uh, about Tyson Nam? We tried. I don't know if anybody heard you talk about Tyson oh, Nam, no, but I'm I'll sorry. let you. Now that we can hear you, Tyson Nam, brutal knockout win. Okay. It took him, I mean, it took him, what, 14, 13, 14 years to finally get to the UFC. And when he does, takes a short notice fight against Sergio Pettis. And then he fights Kai Kara France. And then he gets a short notice fight tonight. And we got to see vintage Tyson Nam. Like if, if anyone w- had just seen Tyson Nam compete only in the UFC, like this is the guy that we've seen fight around the world for a long time. Like when he wins fights, that's normally how he wins. So you got to see it tonight. He gets a $50,000 bonus, gets his first finish in the UFC, his first win in the UFC. Go ahead, Alex, take it away. Mike, I think you and I, we've, you've interviewed Tyson before, uh, yeah. I assume. You've interviewed everyone. Uh, I've also had the good fortune of interviewing Tyson, a consummate professional, a very, very decent man. Um, and for the longest time, you know, he was just known as that guy who knocked out Eduardo Dantes. You know, that was that was the Tyson Nam, the quintessential Tyson Nam pilot, the guy who knocked out Dantes, got into kind of a weird uh, spat, contract spat with Bellator, which unfortunately kind of hindered him for a while. Uh, and that Dantes knockout was eight years ago. Uh, in between, there were some good performances. He knocked out uh, Ali Bagutinov, who if people remember, he once fought for the uh, UFC flyweight title. So he has these like huge highlights in his career, but never could quite make it to the UFC and could never, and then made it, and then just couldn't get that win. And I was very, uh, you know, concerned for him that he would be released after those those first two fights. But gets this fight at bantamweight, uh, much like Agapova, very favorable short notice matchup, and takes care of business as he should. Just like I said, constant professional gets a first round knockout against a guy who he is so much more experienced, uh, more experience over thirty. This was his thirty first pro fight. This was uh, Adeshev's uh, fifth. Yeah. So. Kudos to Nam for taking care of business and for getting that that elusive win, having that feather in his cap because he's just been around forever and he can now cross that off among the many other things he's done in MMA. Yes, and then he, uh, uh, Jordan es- Jordan Espinosa called out Tyson Nam after his win. I think that's good matchmaking. Love it. Do it at thirty five. Do it at thirty five. Why not? Fight, uh, fight Island. Both Go guys are on two fight losing streaks. Both guys needed a win. Both guys got it. Both guys had their best performances in the UFC to date. That's good. Fight Island, make it happen. I'm cool with that. A uh, couple more questions before we wrap it's, this thing it's, up. It's it's not an island. It's it's Yaz Island. It's that's. Are you trying? Are you, are you trying to sell some UFC Fight Island shirts here? Do you, do you have some commission here, Mike? Because you you little under the table. No, I am Dana. I am Dana. <laughs> yeah. After all, so. So. Uh, I can't. I can't touch the Dana way. I'll start to wear it. And I'll box it on you. So. A uh, c- couple last things. Let's talk about next week's card. Uh, Ryan B asked this question a few times. Let's get to it. 
Why give Volkov to Blades? Does it help Curtis Blades' stock if he wins next week, Alex? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Look, I think um, I know we get fixated on the rankings sometimes, and it's like it's 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 he's fighting to hold on to his spot essentially more so than than uh, build his name. But it's look, it's always good to face high level competition. Um, if you're Blades, I, I know he's done more than enough to earn a title shot. It's unfortunate that he's kind of got stuck in the the uh, you know the Miocic, uh, uh Cormier limbo, which thankfully is scheduled to be resolved soon. Um, but it's look. A man's got to eat. I know that's a that's a very base way of looking at why people fight. But a man's got to eat, and and he's got to keep busy. Um, it's a somewhat favorable matchup, you know. Again, he's a great wrestler. He should be able to take Volkov down and control the fight that way. On the other hand, Volkov is a very very dangerous striker and and, and a big guy. So um, I don't know. I, I is it is it super beneficial for him to get this win? Um, should he defeat Volkov? Uh, no, it kind of just maintains the status quo. But again, if you're a guy like Blades, everything's an opportunity for you to kind of keep building your brand and keep building awareness about you. And hey, maybe he gets the win and does a huge call out and really, really builds up that interest in, in a fight with uh, whoever walks out from that Cormier. Well, I mean, if it's Miocic and, and not Cormier, who's probably going to retire. <laughs> yeah, he's in, a, he's in a pretty tough spot. So you just got to take fights and and just stay active at this point if you're him and and, and try to stay relevant because Francis, he's already gotten knocked out by Francis Ghana twice. So Ngannou is definitely going to get the winner of DC and, and Stipe. So it's, it could be like another year before Curtis Blades fights for the title, even if he runs off two wins like in this year. So if it's Volkov, then what do you do? Like give him like a Derek Lewis or something? Like, I don't know. But he's in a... Rosenstruck, if Rosenstruck beats JDS, I don't know. It's 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 a very unforced situation to be in. You, you, run, you run back the... Um, you fulfill the Ngannou Blades trilogy. <laughs> so many unanswered questions. So, so many unanswered questions. So Just go, go right back at it. Uh, but but, but can, can we, real quick, but that, that heavyweight matchup, can we just talk about how comically awesome it will be to see these two giant gentlemen fighting in the small apex cage? I think that ca- I think that cage I think the cage is only like maybe three feet high. I mean, they're going to just uh, roll out. Matter, Casey, look, Dana said the cage, the size of the it's an cage, illusion. <laughs> it's, an it's, an illusion. <laughs> it's an illusion, Michael. Um, it's an illusion. It's, it's, no, it's, it's very Vegas. Yes, <laughs> it makes it's an illusion. It makes no uh, it makes no difference. Apparently, it doesn't affect the, the quality of the fights at all. I actually do agree. If he was saying it doesn't affect the quality of the fights, okay. But if he's saying it doesn't lead to more finishes. I think he's yeah. off. I think the stats tell a completely different story. Yeah. I think he turned, I actually think Dana White turned into, do, do you guys ever see Rounders, the movie Rounders? Parts I, of it. I don't remember. The, the poker, the poker the, parts. I've seen the, is that, is that with um, John Malkovich? Yes. yes. He turned into Teddy KGB. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Talking about the illusion of the cage. He goes, it's bullshit. Like, <laughs> I was like, you just changed accents. You became Teddy KGB from Rounders, which if you haven't seen Rounders, you got to go out and see that movie. It's so what a, weird, what a weird thing for Dana to rail against. Why? Why? I'm just, I, I was trying to think of like, why was he? Why would he not care? Why would he want to spin this in a way that the small like shouldn't he be saying the small cage is awesome right now? And people need to tune into every UFC Apex event because they're using the small cage. Like what a weird non sell of this, like this change that they've had to do but that you can kind of make a selling point. I don't know. That was odd. He did the classic Dana deflection too, where he was just like, what, the Jacksonville fight sucked? Is that what you're trying to say? The Jacksonville fight <laughs> <Yeah>. sucked? <laughs> so like, like it, my, my you, brother Dana. <laughs> and he puts you on the spot. Like you're going, you're going through your mind. Like if you think of Jackson, like we think of the Jacksonville fights, there mm. were three cards. I can only think of one fight for some reason. I, I just think of Ferguson and Gaethje. 
Like, if you go Jacksonville fights, that's just, but there were 30 something fights. <laughs> I was like, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, last question before we wrap up co main event for next week all the feels Emmett versus Burgos. What a fight that's going to be. I am super excited for that one. That is, uh, I'm looking more forward to that. No offense to, to Volkov and Blades, but Burgos versus Emmett just, Gives me goosebumps. I'm very excited for that fight. It's a huge fight at 45. Big spot for for Shane Burgos. The last time he was in a position like this where he was in a high-level marquee fight was at UFC 220 in Boston uh, when he fought Calvin Cater, and that fight was bananas for two rounds until Cater finished it. But he gets right back. He's run off some wins. He's a top-10 guy now, and he gets, gets a top-10 guy. This is what he wanted. He gets Josh Emmett, a very powerful guy. So it's power versus technique. I am looking forward to this one, Alex. Thoughts on the co-main event, and yeah, the dog's excited too. Man, that that featherweight division. I think we said we said it on recent shows. Bantamweight, featherweight, uh, from bantamweight to featherweight to lightweight to welterweight. Man, it's just so so, so strong. Uh, and uh, Shane Burgos, like it's it's funny you mentioned him because I almost just like hadn't thought about him in a while, but that just shows you how deep this division is. I'm just looking at his resume now. He, he has some big names in there. Charles Rosa. Uh, Godofredo Pepe, I know people don't remember Pepe as much anymore, but he was actually a really, really highly touted prospect at the time. And then uh, Cub Swanson won a decision over him and then beat uh, Maquan Americani, another uh, kind of up-and-coming guy in his last fight. So he's got a fr- he's got a fan-friendly style. He's a good interview. I think he's very good with uh, right. the media. And uh, and uh, like you said, now he has the opportunity to face Emmett, another a, a real slugger, <laughs> very, very dangerous opponent. But it'll be four straight wins if he picks it up uh, next week in the co-main event. And there you go. You have a, yourself another contender at 145 pounds so you know only only good things for that division and for the fans yes that is a great fight it's a pretty good card i'm still dumbfounded that murphy versus Montefiore is the second fight of the night that's a big one at 25 that's an important <clears throat> fight like i don't think it's anyone's jumping the queue but winner could probably put themselves in a position to fight calvio to take on the winner of the winner i mean we're we're, we're jumping ahead here, but that's, that's a big one. These are two top, you know, top five, two top six flyweights getting ready to, to do some battle. It's an important fight and buried on the prelims. What is up with getting buried in the, it's like Perez and Formiga. And we saw what happened there. That was a great fight, but, uh, build your divisions, UFC, build your divisions, please build your divisions, build your stars. Uh, like Julia Avila, who said tonight, uh, certainly someone who should have been on the main card and yes, build your divisions, put, Put flyweight fights on the main card. Men's flyweight fights, women's flyweight fights. Put them on the main card. They are they're not gonna they're not gonna harm you. Okay, they're very exciting, and they need exposure for people to take them seriously. Well, we're gonna get one on Fight Island for the for the title though, not on a pay per view. Mm-hmm. I, I forget what date that one is, but Fight Island we get four cards. Yeah, Casey, K- Casey, Fight Island. <laughs> this is, this is, Casey, Casey. Oh no, I'm, this is gonna make him sad. Brawlhamas. The dream of the Brawlhamas is yeah. over. Uh, it was right there. Sorry, it was right there. I know. I'm sorry. The dream is the Brawlhamas is over. Brawlhamas. But 251 is a great car. I don't care if it's on Fight Island, Yaz Island, Plum Island. I don't care. That's a great card. I'm very excited for that. In fact, uh, I spoke with Mr. Piotr Jan this morning, as a matter of fact. So you'll be hearing that interview Thursday on what the heck. He had some interesting things to say, especially in regards to our colleague Guillermo Cruz's article with the interview with Eduardo Dantes. Who was there Ooh. when when uh, Piotr Jan and Jose yes. Aldo used to train and then used to train with each other in Brazil when he took a little trip over there and 
Piotr Jan gave his side of that story as well and uh, had some things to say about Dantas' prediction of the fight. So you'll be able to hear that. Where, where uh, was Jan training? Where, where, was, where was he located when you made the call? Or is that still everything? No secrets yet. Oh, uh, well, well, when he went to... No, when you called him. No, you, right uh, now. On, on, on the interview. Right now. Where you interview. Where oh, is he? He's in um, Bangkok. He's in Bangkok right now. That's, oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Interesting. Is he tra- I guess that's where he's training. Is this camp in Bangkok? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Very fun. Oh, he's a man of many nations. And I will say his uh, his English was coming along. We got probably like the first three questions all English. Ah. And then he, uh, he apologized. And I was like, no, 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 no. We're good. <laughs> take, that, that. Henry, take that, Henry Cejudo. <laughs> yes, we talked about that. Guy gave, <laughs> his thoughts on Aldo, gave his thoughts on O'Malley, gave his thoughts on Cody. Uh, of course, the fight with Jose Aldo. Um, so there you go. So that's coming up. A little little teaser for you for you guys yeah. out there. Good for Jan for working on that. Engl- English is hard, all right? I, I struggle with it. You guys have been watching me talk for the last, like, hour. I, I know. <laughs> yeah. I'm, people, trust me, it's very hard. People are all over pronunciations. I got I got crap. Someone hit me up on Twitter because I, I said one? Israel Adesanya, yeah, which is the right. correct that's pronunciation. What, that's, right. that's what he wants it, how he wants it. Yeah. That's how he wants it. And Sorry, guys. Adesanya? Yeah, Adis- oh, man. The one that turned me <laughs> off today again? was I thought – I thought I thought someone said uh, Char Charles Jordan like like the, like a silent S like George like George St Pierre I I I thought I heard one of the announcers say Charles Charles Char. I'm like I'm like I'm like you know I'm from Canada uh, my, my I'm not from French French Canada but Char, like is that a thing Charles with like Charles with an S at the end and it's Charles Charles Jordan but I'm like I think it's Charles anyway that's uh, yeah. our little. Pronunciation. What yeah, a high, yeah. what a high note to end this video on. Talking about pronunciation. Yeah, pronunciation. This Pio, is what we bring to you guys. Yan, people. Yan. But lots, lots to look forward to on on what the heck. But so this thing kind of went off the rails. Nah. It, it, it happens. You know, it happens. We made it. We made it work. We 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 can't. We turned it into the people show. I mean, the people show is really the ASI live chat. But we just did like a mini Saturday night post fight fight talk show, and that's what we did. So. Alex, any final words in regards to tonight's event, UFC Fight Night, I v. Calvillo? Uh, I just want to say, holy crap, how many more events do we have coming up in the next few weeks? Which, Seven, by the way, yeah. I'm not complaining. I'm not complaining. We have our, – our jobs are friggin' amazing. Uh, I'm never going to complain about uh, being here to you know talk about fights and to provide this, this dialogue for you guys. I love it. Love doing it. Love watching fights. But – Holy cow. Yeah, we've got a Blaze Volkov next week, then a June 27th card as well. Okay, and then that is the last card. So eight eight cards in six weeks, I think is the, if I'm doing my math correctly. And uh, it's great. Great to have all these fighters in action. Glad to see all these fighters getting put back to work. But uh, thank you guys, everyone, for sticking around. I, I always have to say this every time. And uh, I know tonight's card, it didn't have the, you know, the best build. I know you guys weren't, it, it wasn't exactly highly anticipated, <laughs> but I know a lot of you guys tuned in and uh, commented on the site and, and uh, you know, check, checked in on our coverage. So uh, I hope you guys enjoyed some of it because there were some great highlights, some really, really good highlights tonight. Yep, absolutely. Casey, what would you like to say? Ah, just Alex, fix your internet, get a new computer. <laughs> No, that was my laptop. I've I've asked our, the mighty the mighty That's people true. at Box Media to help us, and uh, I am still I'm, I'm a ticket. My ticket is in the system, bro. We're we're in a pandemic. <laughs> I've said this before, but we're in a pandemic. <laughs> we're in a pandemic, right? Right. So there you go. For AK, 
for the truck, Casey Lydon, the dog that, that chimed in as well. <laughs> Esther Lynn behind the scenes, making things happen with the graphics. I am Mike Heck. Uh, we'll see you tomorrow. We'll see you Monday. And then uh, between the links back on Tuesday, we got a very special guest, which we revealed on the last show. Jose Youngs is going to defend his between the links title against Aaron Bronstetter. Woo! Bringing in an outsider for between the links. So that should be a lot of fun. So guys have a great night. Thanks for dealing with the technical difficulties earlier and hanging out with us and uh, Godspeed. Have a good night. Heck of a night. <laughs> oh, that's gotta be your, that's gotta be your, your, your sign off from now on. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network.